Trackaholic, call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that. Dirt, 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 I miss that. Dirt, 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 gotta get back to it. I've been the Kenny Wallace of the rap game. Ever since I hit him with that dirt track thing. Now nationwide, everybody knows my name. They're like, mama, that's Kenny Montgomery. He sings that song we like. Yeah, boy, that's me. Roll out the trailer, I'm flossing. Huh. Them Hoosier tires glossing. Yeah. Them cold kind, we're tossing. Right. They know I came to wreck it, yet I rarely bring out a caution. Get I hit the high side, boy, I park it for Brian Clausen. Uh. I do them like Kyle Welcome to Throttled Up the Podcast. Throttled Up will be a weekly podcast featuring Matt and Dustin. We plan to discuss the legendary Brownstown Speedway, along with other local dirt tracks, Eldora, Salem Speedway, and all of your IndyCar and NASCAR news. Don't miss an episode of Throttled Up, the podcast. Hey, Mo, are you going to win it? Yeah, I hope y'all brought some stamps, because y'all know I'm about to send it on me. Dirt, 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 I'm all about that. Dirt. I'm throwing dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that dirt, 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 dirt. Gotta get back to I'm it. I'm a dirt trackaholic. Call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that. Welcome back to Throttled Up the Podcast. A um, little different episode tonight, starting on a Tuesday night. Um, here in studio, Matt is out tonight. Unfortunately, he's feeling under the weather, and uh, we wish Matt all the best. Um, I hope that he gets to feeling better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that it's not just because we're gonna be talking a little bit of open wheel racing tonight. I know that that you know he's a late model guy, so I'm hoping just the the thought of talking open wheel wet racing didn't make him sick. But that's all right. I'm here to to power through and uh, get a chance to talk a little bit of what what I love and the passion that I have. But uh, joining me in studio tonight um, is the number 83 TQ Midget team of Caleb Faulkner. Um, I've got Caleb here and his dad Ray. So welcome to the studio, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And uh, so let's just let's go all the way back to the beginning, Caleb. I kind of looked up some things about you, and uh, you, you started racing at seven years old in a go kart, correct? Yeah, I started racing. I guess I would say like a professional kind of racing. When I was seven, um, but the whole racing scenario started even before me. Um, actually, his dad used to own late models. Um, so it started back with dad running or not running but helping on the cars and stuff and then it kind of just grew into me um, i'm pretty sure i'd sat my grandpa's modified at, when i was little i mean i'm too young to remember like what it was but i remember sitting in it so that that passion that bug and that's something we've talked to everybody on here you know this is something to where no matter where it comes from it's it's something that gets in your blood this idea of racing you know and i talked to you guys before and i've said on here several times you know when i used to get to go to bloomington speedway that's kind of what started the passion for me and the love and those kind of things but those first opportunities of you sitting in you know the modified and and feeling what that's like has led to you you know really wanting to be involved yeah i mean as i said i was i'm too young to remember it but that was I mean, I remember sitting in it, but I don't remember, like, if he started the car or anything like that. 
the first real rem- memory I have of racing and what led me really to get into it was uh I was four years old when Dale Sr. had his crash. Um, I remember telling my mom and dad that I wanted to be the one to be there to, you know, not replace him, but sit in that car. Um, Then a few years later, when I was turned seven, I think it was my seventh birthday, we were at Rascals. Um, Dad saw something in me and told my mom's dad, actually, and then he went and got the go-kart and we started then. And when you when you jump in the go kart at at seven, and this may even be a bigger question for Dad because I've said on here I got a four year old and uh, and we are very interested in starting uh, go kart racing in the next few years. What's it like as a father to kind of turn him loose at seven years old into a go kart? Well, before we turned him loose on the track, we took him to Sareland. Uh, and actually let him run around the the track out there with nobody there um just getting the feel of everything and stuff and and he did real well with it so we decided we'd try it out and see how he how he liked it if it was something he was interested in you know he had always tried the ball sports and you know he he did baseball he did football he did soccer but the only thing that really stuck with him was the racing you know and it was you know it's hard watching your little one out there going you know at the when he started go-karts he was running 50 to 60 miles an hour at seven years old you know that's it's a little crazy but um i don't i don't think it worried him until i crashed yeah hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this part of the episode it's a good thing she's not home on facebook live right now but uh but no it is it is something as you know and and any any even the ball sports can be dangerous and mm-hmm. things can happen. And, and it, I mean, something can happen walking across the street. We all know that. But uh, there is an added element of danger in this. And, and that's why I've been glad to see in the racing community the improvements that have come into safety and the, you know, the emphasis that has been put on safety. I think 30, 40 years ago, the emphasis was just on speed. It didn't matter. Strap me in however you got to and let's get speed. And I think, you know, that new emphasis on safety has definitely been a positive. But so you jump in this car at seven years old and i know you did some you did some uh paved ovals and some road cores which one did you prefer at that age well um first i started on dirt i actually started at the columbus fairground um we would trade back between running what was the fifth mile there and the quarter mile okay um i don't remember which one was my first one i raced on um the fifth mile okay he knows um (laughs) i know where i had my three head on collisions my first year uh that was on the fifth mile um and i don't know if they'll see this or not but i know uh zach and josh eastman they were in my class they're two of the ones i hit um so i don't know if they remember that but i I do (laughs) um we grew to be great friends after that and everything and zach was always a year or two above uh josh and myself and josh was either with me or a year above me so um that was you know great for us to i mean yeah we don't go to the track to make friends but at that young of an age we're not i mean we're there to compete but it's not it's not that big of a deal um the i want to go back to the safety thing you said yeah um that is the one thing that i i'm glad about my parents is at 
at seven years old they could have easily put me in the cart with a sweatshirt a little helmet and you know but they didn't want to do that they wanted to go get the safest stuff so since day one i've always wore a suit and racing boots and racing gloves and you know the racing helmet um and then when i got into the tqs they had they went and got the hans device for me and the fire suit that was rated right the nomex stuff underneath and they've they've always told me that especially now that i'm paying for everything they they've told me that they won't they won't really help me with money to get the car to go fast that's on me but if it's a safety thing they'll and i need the money for it they'll pay for it and it's a great point and, I, and i've i've got a good friend his uh his two boys raced dirt bikes when they were young and he said that he went in to buy him a helmet and i love this story as he walked in the salesman's there and he's looking around and he picks one up and the guy goes yeah that's four hundred dollars and he's like oh my gosh because you got anything cheaper and the guy just commented back which great sales tactic said your son's head's not worth four hundred dollars and he's like i walked out with two four hundred dollar helmets but and that's a funny story because it was a great sales right. tactic but it is true i it mean is. you 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 got to put money where you know you can be and it and it's um that's something that that i think is great that you commend your parents for that because that's the one thing for me you know if my son is interested and wants to get into it that would be the biggest thing is you know safety mm-hmm. first and absolutely if we come you know if we come in dead last because we're not fast enough but he's safe that that's that's important and the the speed will come so but so as you you started on dirt you know you've de- you've done um the ovals which one did, did you like the road course as well or have you always kind of leaned towards the oval racing uh i didn't do a whole bunch of pavement um don don hudson was the one he got a hold of my dad and my grandpa his dad about possibly putting me in one of his carts and driving that um so that's where i started with it and the actual the first race i had in that cart um it had too much camber or caster i can't remember which one but it he was we had a red flag that ended the race and he was going and pushing it back and he he was surprised i was able to drive it but obviously myself being from the dirt knowing how that is and then jumping into the pavement like i had no idea so i just thought that's how it was and i went through the hay bales what three times that weekend (laughs) yeah (laughs) but still finished fourth in your first uh road course race right and then so then after that after he saw that he got a he got a hold of me or got a hold of dad not me but he got a hold of dad and we talked about it a little bit more he ended up giving me a uh, gp cart um we started running that with him and he always had the blue carts that's what he that's what he was known for so like if you go to my website and go into carts you'll see a section that's like just blue and that was his um then when he went he decided to get out of it he ended up giving us the cart that's when we went and changed it to our red black and gold or red black and white which is what we ran then um I didn't run too much in it. I don't think I ever got a win on the pavement, which is something I kind of want to go back and do just to say I've won in it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I finished second twice at Saraland, actually. That's that's really cool. And and I think that's a tough – I think it's a tough transition, but I think what you just said, I think – and people will argue with me, but I think going from the dirt to the pavement is easier than the pavement drivers who try to get on dirt because dirt guys seem to be 
just so much more used to having to deal with a car that's not perfect and mm-hmm. deal with a, a track that's not perfect and adjusting. So I think it's always easier for a dirt guy to jump on pavement and do something. And I know I'll probably get some comments on Facebook Live that people <laughs> will say, you're wrong, that's not true. But I, I think there's some truth in that. I think dirt guys always transfer a little bit better. Well, I see Skyler joined in here. He's actually another one that uh raced with us in the go-kart i think i think the when we went over to his shop he said he still had the go-kart engine we sold him so <laughs> yeah uh so he's he still got the stuff that we had very cool um, but so the carts they didn't have suspension on them either way so i feel like back then switching from dirt to pavement wasn't as hard i mean you still had to learn some stuff like the dirt it will be looser naturally than what the pavement was but in cars trying to jump from dirt to pavement i've never done it i want to just to see the difference but i definitely think it's it's harder with the suspension i that would be true i could understand that so in the cart it says here you've won you won two championships yep correct um and then when did you kind of start toying with the idea of going from karting to the tq well i'm not I don't know personally because they kind of kept me in the dark about a lot of things. They wouldn't tell me, hey, let's go do this um, because they they know I get these wild ideas and then I go do it. Um, but my my first win in the cart came three races after I started. So, you know, early on we saw that this was something that, you know, I was you know pretty good at. By the end of the first season, I, I'd ran on three tracks out of... I've won, I won at all three tracks by the end of the season. Um, then the following year, we continued in the rookie gas and ran for points that year. And I don't remember how many races I won, but I won the majority of them. And that's the first championship I got, and it was still at Columbus. Um, the following year, Dad joined the board there at Columbus, uh, kind of do his part to help and everything. And um that was that was the year we finished second in the points but i think we could have done better but he was taken so away from me doing that and i just transitioned it into a a bigger engine and like i didn't know how to explain what was going on with the car yet at this point um so that was that that year we i mean we still did good that year won races then we moved on to uh ben hur which we weren't going to run for points that year. We were just going to run around. Um, I finished second to Tyler Allen up there, and we found out he was actually starting in the crate late models, so he wasn't going to be running the full season. So that was the point we decided to run championship that year. We, we won that one by two points. So that was probably the toughest one to win. And uh, Jacob Brown's the one that finished second to me, and he's – I mean, he's still a good friend now. Um, then after that, we kind of just went and ran, I guess you'd call them like the money races, you know, 500 $600 to win for a cart was, you know, a big deal. Mm-hmm. So that's what we went and did then. My last season, we ran a total of nine races, and I won six of them. Wow. I, I think that was the deciding factor in we need to move. We need to move up to where there's more competition. Um that was that was in 2009 um and we had started talking about it then and we knew that um they were just changing the midget rules the tq midget rules 
uh, to where 14 year olds could race them for that following year Mm -hmm. so in 2010 and um he was actually 13 at the time gonna be 14 um so him and and uh cj leary actually um they were racing carts at the same time we both made that same jump to tqs there at 14 um i think much much for the same reason um cj's obviously had some success going on into the the sprints and stuff and and uh it's good to see him doing well with that you mm-hmm. know knowing we've raced with him and stuff but yeah 20 2009 we made that decision about halfway through the year um we actually we went to a couple tq races with some friends found the car started working on it knowing he was going to start racing in 2010 but you didn't jump him you didn't bring him along right away and tell him this was the idea he found out you know in, <laughs> you know about mid-season you know but we, we didn't really know where we were going to head because um like he had said before my my dad had always had modifieds and late models uh primarily late models as i was growing up so that's what i was used to working on um i always loved to watch the open wheel cars but i'd never worked on them until we actually got his car so um it's been an experience learning together as we went through that um but yeah it was it was probably halfway through the season we made the decision that that at 14 they were going to allow us to get into the tqs we thought it was uh you know it's still a small car um expense wise it wasn't going to jump up a, a tremendous amount from where we were at with the carts so we felt like that was probably our next logical step and, and the next the other big thing was that it had a roll cage because the carts i mean they didn't have a roll mm-hmm. cage we ran a champ cart which did obviously so it has suspension it's kind of like a quarter midget with just without the suspension on it and that was another thing i loved running the champ car but there just wasn't enough of them around here and keith sparkman says uh, is that ray faulkner um so he's already found you sparkman sparkman is a uh he's a constant uh uh viewer of throttled up the podcast and jeremy no matt is under the weather uh we talked about it a little bit earlier he was sick tonight uh jeremy so matt's not here i'm saying that he's got open wheel flu uh since we're talking open wheel racing and he's a late model guy so i think he's uh he's he's so sick that he can't imagine talking open wheel tonight so uh but he'll be back uh i'm sure and and uh so yeah he just under the weather today but so i guess i'm going to ask you then you had this history this family history in late model and modified was that a tough decision they say we are going to kind of go this direction towards the open wheel yeah um it was because you know that was where i naturally wanted to go um but in 2009 early in the year like you said we only ran nine kart races so we took the early part of the season to go to different races and just look at the different cars and see what i really wanted to get him in and you know from from my days working on the late models you know they've changed quite a bit you know from the the early to late 80s um you know the the cars jack up more in the left rear than what they used to roll over onto the right front um i didn't i personally didn't think that was going to be uh the best transition for him to go from a go-kart 
to that style of racing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you had that with the modified as well. So, um, the TQ was more, uh, it, it reminded, reminded me more of, uh, how the suspension reacted from what I knew in the late models and stuff. And I thought it would be the easiest transition for him to get into going from the go-kart to that. So, um, and then again, you know, since they were allowing it at 14, I, I felt comfortable going ahead and getting him in those. Um, we've talked about it many, many times about going on and getting into either modifieds or late models. Talked to Jeremy uh, quite a few <laughs> times about that. Um, and uh, I think he's actually planning to make that happen next year as long as he can get the finances to work out for it that i think that's going to be his plan yeah we're not going to make that a dead set thing yeah it's the idea is is that we're going to go there obviously i've got to be able to afford it to do it and i'm I'm just starting my full-time job now because i just got out of college in december so i'm just starting that so i don't have like a whole bunch of like extra money laying around some paying loans off and everything so obviously, if I can get some sponsorship, then that that help a long way. And, and which way are you looking? Are you looking like the crate late model class or a modified? Uh, I can blame Skyler for this one. I'm definitely looking at the late <laughs> models. So so last year, I don't know how far back you went. Um, our engine actually just quit running at Columbus. Uh, we later found out it was the coils that was the issue, but we were chasing it the whole time. Couldn't figure out what it was. So we just eventually just. You know, basically just gave up because there's only a few races left anyways, and it wasn't worth us trying to do all this stuff to figure it out just to go run, you know, two or three races. So we decided we were just going to stop. We were going to tear the whole engine apart, see if we found anything. Um, and then Skyler actually found out I wasn't running anywhere or anything, um, got a hold of me and asked if I wanted to go take his late model out for practice at FunFest. So there's two times at FunFest and that pink 22 is running the bottom and I was in the car because (laughs) obviously I didn't want to tear up his stuff because he had a race the next night. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't want to get away in in front of both Tyler's and the guys that were actually there to practice. I was just there having fun. So I obviously was just trying to keep it to the bottom and, you know, stay out of their way because I know they run the top for the most part and that's where uh that's where i definitely got that kind of itch because <laughs> jumping from my little four-cylinder kawasaki engine to a you know eight-cylinder chevy was like night and day like there's so mm-hmm. much power i knew i wasn't using it all but like i wanted to and i probably would have if i was the only one out there but as I said, I didn't want to ruin anybody else's night. Didn't want to ruin his before it even started. And although I almost did. <laughs> and, and is it, is it tough and tempting, you know, to really lay on the gas when you're in a car like that and you've got your first chance? Is it? I mean, that's a lot of self-control, I would think. The So I went out there twice. The first one was definitely, it was kind of just me learning it, trying mm-hmm. to figure out, like, you know, how much gas to get it. And obviously the car's fitted for Skylar. It was not fitted for me. <laughs> um, I had some, you know, reaching of the pedals and like I had a little bit of issues there. But it wasn't it wasn't like I couldn't drive it whatsoever. I could drive it. So I you know, the first time it was just me, you know, obviously having to make that transition from the open wheel TQ that all all the weight kinda dumps to the right rear tire. Mm-hmm 
to the late model that it all feels like it's going that way to the right front and it's kind of it, it was it wasn't a hard transition like it was from the go-karts because i was used to suspension at this point mm-hmm. but it was definitely a different feeling i had to get used to so that first practice i was trying to get used to it and hudson was out there and made me feel slow because <laughs> he he had a super there and i'm in you know skylar's crate and there goes hudson so but well and it was you know i still laugh when we had joss moffat on and and joss was talking about his first time in his 410 non-wing and he said you know i went out and he said if you'd asked me he said i was running 120 miles an hour he said i was just flying he goes and i got lapped three times in in you know hot laps and he said i come in he's like i'm nowhere near where i need to be but it is i mean there is that it's that balance between you know all of us want to go fast but Mm -hmm. it's i don't think some people as fans sitting there realize how close to the edge those cars are every lap of being out of control and you know Mm -hmm. the work that a driver's putting in you know it it's easy to sit up there and say man i just i'd floor it never let off well if the car is set up right that's great yeah let her go but uh there's a lot of times that you're you know you're pedaling and you're working and you're you know the steering and everything so that's a pretty cool deal so i'm i'm excited to hear that that is uh that's the direction you may be looking towards and uh so i'm gonna ask you this uh because obviously we're the podcast here for uh brownstown speedway if if you jump to the crate next year would brownstown speedway be the home for caleb faulkner racing i would definitely be running with the the pros the crate series right so they primarily run there at brownstown so so yes that's where i would be um i definitely run for rookie of the year they run the different tracks they have the following year after that i i don't know 100 percent. i definitely would love to run i love brownstown there's no doubt about it i love going there i love going there in the tqs even though you know half the time we don't use the whole track <laughs> so like i love going there so it probably would be a place i would go but i'm definitely not going to count out like twin cities or bloomington or Terre Haute or even florence because mm-hmm. i want to be able to take a late model whether it's a super or a crate and go run anywhere and you know be able to sit there and you know show up and be fast kind of like i mean just like devin is he shows up and everybody knows like he's gonna be a contender tonight well and i think i think that's the the coolest thing again about about brownstown speedway and we've talked about it on here too is the you know the level of competition that's at brownstown you know those guys can go out and pretty well race anywhere and against anybody and and we've seen it you know devin wins the johnny Appleseed at at eldora speedway Devin is a half a car length at the dream away from making the you know the feature at the dream jeremy owens goes over there for the um the johnny appleseed and if he doesn't get wrecked he runs in the top five but starts in the back and gets to 10th tim rivers is over there at eldora running you know top three i mean so a lot of these guys whether it's the modified class you know the supers that run at brownstown or the indiana pro late model series they're the best of the best i mean they can go anywhere any night and compete and uh you know race with with anybody so it is a it's it's a place that to come and if you if you're able to run for rookie of the year and win rookie of the year or or place in the points it is definitely an honor um when you're able to do that so i'll be really excited if that that comes to fruition and you can do that so 
to kind of go back to the let's 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 reverse because we had that big announcement. Let's talk a little bit about the TQ midget season. Um, let's talk about kind of how are things going so far this year in the TQ. Probably the worst luck I've had racing in a long time. And I know that we we've already there's bad luck right now, which we'll get to. But throughout the whole season, you feel like it's been. We we started the season parked. Um, we still hadn't found that coil issue. Uh, we ended up going. I I can't think of the guy's name at, right now. Do you remember his name? Bob Nash. We went up to his place, and he he runs six hundred mini sprints. So while he was he's used to these engines, the Kawasaki engines, and all the electronics and everything. So we went up there and. Uh, from Seth, Jason Setzer, who brought it up and said, you know, maybe he'd be able to figure it out. So we went up there to his place and we, you know, ran through all the sensors, ran through everything that, you know, he knew to check. And at towards the end, he said, you know, this is a shot in the dark, but why don't we change the spark plugs and coils and just see if that's it? And we pulled the spark plugs out and they look fine. He goes, so it's not that. We put his coils in and it fired right up. So I missed I missed the first two nights, which happened to be back to back nights, which that's that's why we missed the first two. That because of coils that were bad, that it was as easy as just swapping them out. Um, that's why I have two sets of them now. <laughs> um, then we had we obviously had rainouts and you know that kind of stuff. Then we went and ran Twin Cities. That was our first race, and we were doing good for the night. We had the issue with the oil blowing out we're trying to figure that out and during the feature uh coming to the white flag which is the most i i know there's other people here that you know race like jeremy and skylar and this is the most disappointing thing in the world is coming off turn four seeing the white flag and the engine just shuts off oh so but i was running eighth and second through 15th were all right together so my first thought was hold it in a straight line because everybody's got to go around me at this point um, I luckily got it to the end field and they were able to finish the last lap, but we had blown a fuse. So, and then we found, uh, now we're to our latest issue of, I went out to the car. I went out Friday night and started the car. Cause as, the, as I said before, with the coil issue, we've been starting it to make sure it'll start and we don't have issues with it. Um, then Saturday, I came out there and was loading stuff up and turned around to look at the car, which was up on jack stands or on the stands we built and saw oil laying on the floor, which once we started investigating, found that the oil's coming from the, around the head gasket, um, which now we looked into it a little bit Saturday and Sunday, realized that we really couldn't figure out what it was just by looking at it. Um, called watson's racing engines um and he told us to bring it on up there and he'd look at it so now he's got it um he originally told us about two weeks to get it done uh it looks like he may be able to get it done sooner but it depends on his schedule because obviously he's got other engines he's got to do that he's already committed for so we may be looking at a, a week before we get our engine we may be looking at two um but he definitely said that you know the bottom end of it was fine it was the top end that was the issue so he's you know he ordered parts and to try and figure out what's wrong with it is that the most disheartening thing as as a team is when it's a mechanical thing i mean that to me that's 
even I know that when you go out and you race, you don't want to tear up your stuff. I mean, that, that's obvious. But I think I would rather have the opportunity to at least get to the track and something happen, and I've got I tear something up. Then you know, a lot of these issues you've had, it's not even on the track. It's not racing. Is that got to be one of the most disheartening things? From my perspective, before it was definitely more of the I want to. I want to get to the track. I want to race. Like I, I don't check the car. Now where you know I'm paying the stuff and I'm you know, more worried about the finances on it where they were before. I definitely I'd rather find the issue before we get to the track and pay the pit passes and pay our entry fee and then go to start the car and see oil blowing out of the head and then go well we can't race tonight. Now, so. And I, I can understand that. That's that's a good point that I I didn't think about because. It just, I, I can't imagine, like I said, you're, you're amped up, you're going out to get ready to load the car, and you find that there's, you know, the head gasket's gone and, and blown and the oil's leaking out. I, I would, I just think that's got to be just a, a kick in the gut. I mean, well, two years ago, I think, we decided we were going to try a 1,000cc mini sprint. Um, the first race, the, the nut for the throttle to hold the cable fell off and actually stuck the throttle, and we were at Bloomington. So that was not good. Uh, it didn't hold it wide open. It held it about quarter throttle open, but it was enough I could not get it to come loose no matter what. Um, it was way back on my Facebook page, like about the time it started, actually. You go all the way back there, and you'll see this video from MMSA that it the car flipped over. Um, so we brought it back, saw that the nut was loose, tightened it, Later on, found out it was the wrong size nut that the guy had put on it before when we got it. Um, I raced that whole night, no issues. Go out the, and this was a non-wing race. We go to our first wing race up at Putnamville. Go out to practice, run like three laps, and the thing goes up in smoke. So we had drove all the way up to Putnamville to blow a hole in the engine. And I mean, it was it was a hole. It wasn't it wasn't just it let go. It was a hole in the end. Like there there was no fixing it. We had to get a new one. Um, so then we end up you know selling that car to somebody. They they took it and they got an engine. I don't know where they got it from. So those those are probably the more disheartening ones than finding it early. I mean, yeah, we want to go to the track. I can't speak for him, but we want to go for, we want to go to the track. We want to race, but I'd rather find it before we pay for the pit passes and everything. Well, and I'll be honest, what you just said, Bloomington Speedway is not somewhere with the banks that are there to have your throttle stick open because there's nothing fun about going up and over, over there. So, um, but I'm glad that you were able to get those things worked out for sure. Any, any kind of mechanical issues, disheartening, um, especially for the mechanic <laughs> you know <laughs> um you know anytime you have issues like that you know but he's you know that's part of racing mm-hmm. you know you're gonna have that um we're we seem to be in a slump right now you know they started last year and and uh continued on into this year but we've been through those before and and you know we've we've come out of them before you know it's 2015 he finished second in the points for the tq midgets you know so uh, and got his first win in it so you know we've experienced the highs of it and you know right now we're just in one of those low periods and on on that note the guy that beat me in the championship that year uh robbie roland 
he was actually in a really bad brush fire the other day so i definitely want to say that you know all of us here you know thinking about him and everything i heard that he got he was home now uh obviously he's done for the season with that so you know we hope to see him you know next year and stuff so very good. Um, I'm going to take a, a, a small time out here. Uh, first of all, I'll give a shout out. I just got a text. Uh, my good buddies John Leach and uh, Robbie Kent are uh, hanging out and watching us tonight. And I know John uh, had a boy that, that raced uh, go-karts for a while. So shout out to John and Rob, and, and thanks for tuning in. But I do want to talk about our sponsors, and I'm going to throw it back to you to talk about your sponsors. And so first and foremost, uh, Schaefer Photo and Custom T. Again, the track photographer for uh, Brown Sound Speedway, Mark Schaefer. You cannot find a better uh, gift for a race fan than to get a hold of Mark and Jamie Schaefer and look at you know a canvas a frame print some of the stuff he does and we did the contest with them a couple weeks ago and it was really cool to look at all of mark's shots uh that he's taken and you know brown sound speedway not only is a great racetrack but it gives a great backdrop for a lot of the shots that mark gets when the sun's setting and and some of the the things he catches so again huge thank you to mark and jamie for being a sponsor for us and that's schaefer photo and custom t uh if you're interested in checking out his work go to schaefer11.smugmug.com second uh in the fast lane productions again ryan and nathan bowling um i can't say enough about those guys and what they do to promote the sport of dirt track racing and uh guys i say it every week but if you do not have a subscription to in the fast lane productions.com you don't know what you're missing out on um again tonight uh getting ready for tonight's episode i pulled it up and and watched the features again from saturday night i was there saturday night but I wanted to go back and look at some things that I didn't see live and, and, and you know, watch some things. So um, it's a great uh, service, not only if you're at the racetrack or you can't be there, but it's definitely worth the, the sign-up cost. So go ahead and get over to InTheFastLaneProductions.com and sign up for a premium membership. Also, Brownstown Speedway and Jim Price, uh, you know, huge shout-out to those guys. Uh, for supporting us and allowing us to do what we do. And I appreciate everything Jim has done uh, to support the podcast. So don't forget, uh, this weekend, open wheel show at Brownstown Speedway um, on Saturday night. So as long as the weather and Mother Nature plays nice, make sure you're out there to watch that. Um, And last but not least, uh, Kenny Montgomery, who allows us to use his new single, Dirt. Um, If you can, go to iTunes, download that song, and support Kenny Montgomery and KMO Music. So... Um, now I do want to because this is a big part of what we do here Caleb is not only you know obviously I want to get our sponsors out for what they do to help us but I want to give you a chance uh, to kind of here in the middle uh, give your your sponsors a shout out and and who is it that helps you get to the track every week well our our first and main sponsor um, which are in their final year of their contract so we've talked to them already about moving forward as uh, Purdue Polytechnic institute in columbus uh it's actually where i went to college and got my engineering degree at um joe feeney there and all them are you know they're great they're great teachers so if anybody is here in high school or something looking at engineering definitely like i cannot recommend it enough um obviously going there and graduating like and it's not just because they sponsor me it's it's honestly it's they're great group of people there they honestly care about you the classroom smi- uh, huh. classroom sizes 
are so much smaller than what you would get at main campus at Purdue. I think the most people I had in one of my classes was 20 people. So uh, now they're, you know, they're getting more and more people that are coming. So I, I don't know if they'll all have the same thing, but they def they keep it down to a small ratio for students. Um, another sponsor is uh, the Culver's in Columbus. I it, When we go race at Bartholomew County, I would highly recommend going over there and seeing Carl and all them. Um, I used to work there before, and they're they're another great bunch of people there. I, I loved working for Carl when I was there, and darn um, good food. Yeah, it's obviously I went there the, <laughs> the day before I came here. You know, I um, don't lie. I'm a big guy, and I'm <laughs> anytime I'm with our construction project going on up, I'm at Menards a lot. And there's not very many times that I don't end up in the Culver's drive-through for a a butter burger and a, a cheese curd and, and head home so and then our last sponsor we have on the car is the purdue alumni advisory council actually i have to think about how to say that because <laughs> i'm used to just calling them the pack group um but they are they're a group that does a lot of scholarships and stuff for the purdue students that go to columbus and when they heard purdue was sponsoring us they wanted to join on with it and so they they jumped on board with us probably the first halfway through the first year of us doing it and with them jumping on they you know they're using it as a way to promote some of their events to get this this um, scholarship money um, so those are the sponsors we have on the car i've got other people here uh as i said before watson racing for helping us with all those engine issues we've had um uh, going back to some old sponsors, we had um, Roger Barnes at B&M Salvage sponsored us for I don't know how many years. Uh, he was a he was a great great guy. I always loved going out there and talking to him. Uh, he ended he ended up telling us last year that he was going to retire. Um, and if, I've got a season recap that I've posted on YouTube, and actually at the end, it thanks Rogers for everything he's done for us and everything because that was his last season. Um, the other one is Mike Clancy at Clancy's Tool and Party Rental. Uh, that store is also closed. He sold it to somebody else, but he was on there for, I don't know, it was very... Since your second year at Go-Karts, yeah, both was, of those two. So those those were our longest sponsors. Obviously, you know, they wanted to go and enjoy retirement and stuff. So, um, But if you ever see me at the track... Um, I actually have both of their logos and stuff on the sleeves of my suit. Um, when I went and got the Purdue suit, I went and told them that I I didn't care. I was putting them on there because of all the help they've given us through the years and everything. So I helped them. Um, you know, and I want to I want to you know say something to you because I think that's really cool that you know I think a lot of times in in the racing community and the sponsors are so loyal. Um, you know, and people, you know, jump on and support. And I think it's really cool that even though these guys have retired, these guys have, you know, left the sponsorship, but I think it's really cool that you continue to kind of honor them. And, and, you know, I think that's a, that's a really, you know, respectful thing that you do to, to throw it back to those guys who, who helped you get there, you know, that, that, you know, that are helping you along the way. And there's still a lot of sponsors we had before that, when someone comes to us, I know the other day, Dad told me that somebody was coming and asking about air conditioners or something. We used to have reliable heating and cooling, and that was the first place he told them. Um, McDermott Orthodontist used to do my mine and my sister's braces. 
they're the first person I recommend because, you know, they sponsored us as well. So, you know, even though their sponsorship has ended, they're not they're not on the car. They're not getting the advertisement. I, we don't stop recommending them to people, especially people that we've used their service before, like McDermott's. Well, and, and I love it, and people kind of laugh at me, but it's like the other day I was at the racetrack, and um, I uh, I needed some a service to come out here, and, and the first person I thought of was somebody that was on somebody's car, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to call them because I've watched them every Saturday night, and I did, and it was kind of funny because they came out, and we had a great racing discussion the whole time we <laughs> sat here, and and but it is important to me to go and support those same guys that are supporting the sport we love, and and it those sponsors are you know invaluable that really love the the sport and jump behind it. And, and from my perspective, where I go and talk to these people, trying you know get them to sponsor the car, that's. That's one thing I always tell them is, you know, there's people, you know, like you, for instance, who you'll see, say, Purdue, for instance, on the car, you know, they're sponsoring me. If you were looking to go back to school, that'd be the first place you'd go look. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's other places on the car that, you know, we kind of just used to break up the white on our car, but there's still places we'd recommend. Like, I've got Acro Engineering on here as well, because they've... They've helped us with, you know, the rear ends and stuff for our car because they make them and they they made a part for me that I needed. Um, literal racing, cause I can't tell you how good Randy is with race parts for us. Um, he's he knew I was in college. He let me break up a bill into payments to him, and I I can't thank him enough for that. Cause I mean he understood, you know, I'm in school, I'm doing that full time, so I got a part time job trying to do this and race and. So as long as I was making payments to him, he didn't he didn't care. He didn't care how long it took me either. So um so yeah, that's that's all the ones on my list. What about what about uh because I, I don't want you to uh go home without out saying it. Who are who are the family and the you know, the people that help you get there as well? Uh my grandpa uh, as I said earlier, he's the one that had the late models and the modifieds and stuff beforehand. Uh he doesn't help us directly at any as much because he is a ump official so he goes and does that stuff on the weekend so he doesn't even he he normally can't go to the track but if i have a fair race during the week and i call him and say hey dad can't go to the racetrack because he's got to work he's the first one to jump on board uh we had jennings county last week uh it ended up getting rained out but dad wasn't sure if he'd be able to go because of work so I, he was the first one I called, and he's like, "Yep, I'll be. Uh, can you come pick me up?" So, obviously, I gotta thank him for you know basically being there to be a crew chief at the drop of a dime. Um, my mom and papa, who are my mom's parents, it doesn't matter what I need for that car. If I tell them, "Hey, I need you know a little bit of money to get this," they're they're usually there to to help. Um, with that being said, though, they're ne- they don't let me get away with like six, seven thousand dollars worth of stuff. <laughs> it's there's, like there's a line. There, there is a line. Uh, but if you don't ask, you never know right. exactly where that line is. Um, I also I gotta thank my sister and her now husband because they got married two weeks ago um, for putting up with this. There's been many a times because her birthday's in July that. 
we'll look at her and go, you know, I'm running for points. Like, I can't. Your birthday's on a Saturday. I can't miss it. Let's do something on Friday. And she's perfectly fine with it. So she understands this and everything. And her her husband now, who's in the Marines, so that's that. If you look at the left side of my car, I've got a Marine sticker on it. And I respect him a lot for what he's doing. Not only for being, uh, what did I say in this speech? For going and joining the Marines, but also being the, the guy he is to my, my little sister. Um, and then I also got to thank mom and dad for, well, mom for letting me do this and dad for convincing her. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to convince her. That was Papal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but dad, dad's also the crew chief on the car. So that's why I. I don't think I can ever replace him because it's to the point now that I can come in and he knows exactly what's wrong with the car for him to tell him. And he can say, this is what I think we need to do. And I can, you know, tell him yes or no. Um, for the most part, he has to explain to me what it's going to do because he know, he's done the setups. I mean, well, even before I was born, like I said, with the late model. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of setup stuff in my car that, you know, we've made to match a late model when he was doing them so um i always tell my pain with food so <laughs> well i'm gonna give a uh a, i got a couple more questions for you here but i'm gonna give a quick rundown here uh from saturday night at brownstown speedway um you know it, it was the don russ tribute race the the pewter the pewter hall pure stock special i gotta make sure i get that right um and it was one heck of a, uh, a weekend and a great racing. And Toya Routier uh, just, you know, commented there and said, hey, you know, thanks for sponsoring. Uh, throwed up the podcast, did throw $50 at every uh, heat uh, race winner. Uh, Tori was the first heat race winner. Dalton Fleener came home with heat race number two. Uh, Keaton Strevel, heat race number three. And then uh, heat four uh, went to Mickey Hines. And, you know, a shout out to Mickey um, he threw up actually $150 uh, to the winner of the dash. Um, and he didn't want the money back if he won it. He didn't want that back. He just wanted to do something that could be kind of fun there. But the story of the night, to be 100% honest in the Don Russ tribute, is Dustin Carr um, couldn't start, uh, didn't start in the heat race, came back in the uh, the Concy, ran it to the front, and won the Concy comes out in the feature and actually runs it all the way to the front to win um, the Pewter Hall Pure Stock Donruss Tribute Race. The crazy thing is is that after the race, uh, Matt went down and was talking to Dustin, and they actually rewired the entire car at Brownstown Speedway Saturday night. They uh, had an electrical issue. They rewired everything, every every electrical wire in there, rewired it, got out for the Concy, and then he obviously gets to run to the front and win it. But uh, also a, cha- a shout-out to you know the top five there, Zach Stalker, uh you know former guest here on it and zach did a great job the the car seemed right again he's had he's had some bad luck this year um he comes in second jeremy hibner comes in third uh donnie uh dirt track donnie wilson uh comes in fourth and keaton strevel rounds out the top five there um with that in the print works indiana pro late model series uh tyler neal comes home with the win um, in the A&K Excavating UMP Modifieds, Ryan Thomas uh, comes home with the win. Wollston Automotive Superstocks, Col- Colton Sullivan 
comes home with the win with Jason Heyman uh, coming in second there. And then in the Hornets, uh, Bill Grant uh, comes home with the win in the Hornet feature on Saturday night. So, again, um, it was a great night of racing. It was a great night, especially for the pure stocks, to see those guys get that opportunity to get out there. And, um, man, it was it was some hard racing. It was some beating and some banging. And, and uh, you could definitely see the passion for what guys wanted the uh, Don Russ tribute race to be. So a really cool night. But, Caleb, I got some more questions for you in the sense that let's let's talk a little bit more personal when you when you talk about um, uh, <laughs> Tory says he's using the fifty he won in the heat to replace the ball joint that took me out of the feature. So, <laughs> Tory, I'm glad we could help. Hey, uh, Tory, if you want, I've got a throttled up sticker. It, we, can we be considered a uh, a sponsor now? Can we get a sticker on the car for the uh, for the ball joint that we're going to help you uh, help you get replaced there? So. Uh, good luck to Tori the rest of the season. But who are those heroes, man? And, and, you know, we talk about how racing gets in your blood, but who are the heroes as you grew up that you really wanted to emulate, you know, as a driver? You you excited you about the sport. Well, as I said, when I was when I was four, it was Dale Sr. Uh, obviously, being only four years old, that's, that's mainly the only race I remember watching. Obviously, I can go back and watch other races because they were on TV. Um, but uh, I we as we talked about before, I loved watching Tony. Tony was one of those, and, and Dale Jr. I think it's because of his dad there that I like. I always wanted to support him because I mean I couldn't imagine that, um, especially when you had to get back in the car the following week, and you know this thing just you know just took your dad and you're jumping back in the car. So I always respected him for that, and so I always supported him. I always supported Tony as well, uh, being from Columbus and the dirt tracks. But going more down to like a a dirt track level, um, Don O'Neill was one of those that it, when we went to the track, I knew that car. Like mm-hmm. I, I could always point it out being that blue number blue number five, which that's all I remember it as is uh, the blue number five. So that's. That's the car I knew was Don O'Neill and Donnie Schatz in the sprint cars. Uh, that may have partially been because he drove for Tony. But, you know, I, it's, that's the kind of stuff I remember. Obviously, my memory's kind of, it doesn't go as far back as, you know, maybe Don didn't always drive the Blue 5. But that's that's what I remember first seeing him in. And, and you know, I know you talked earlier about running with Huddy, and, and I, I don't want to forget you know, a huge shout out to Hudson O'Neill on uh, Saturday night as well, which was kind of funny. Here we're we're watching the races, um, and I got lucky enough to actually get to sit in the booth at Brownstown Friday or Saturday night, which was nice because the air conditioning was blowing on me. <laughs> but uh, uh, we were watching obviously the races at Brownstown, and then and then one of the guys in the booth had up the live timing and live scoring from magnolia speedway and you know huge shout out to huddy o'neill picking up his first lucas oil win um at the clash at magnolia speedway and you know i i can't imagine i think the coolest thing there is don is a legend obviously but i can't imagine being don and being there and getting to share that with huddy i mean Mm -hmm. and kind of going back to dale jr and dale Mm -hmm. and those guys if you're going to get beat, there can't be a better guy to beat you right there than right. getting to watch your, your your son experience that. So huge shout out to Huddy and what Huddy was able to do this weekend. And you know, and uh, I'm going to tell you, 
he's going to get a lot more of them before it's said and done. Oh, yeah. And I think I think and I watched the interview with him. I think he figured out Saturday night, you know, in a hundred lap feature, don't use your stuff up early. And I think now that he's maybe figured that out, it's really scary um, where he's going to go because he's got all the talent in the world. I, I definitely think he's going to be a, a threat for the the Jackson this year. And I'm going to tell you, and we we've talked to to Gilpin about this on here. If if either Huddy or or Gilpin park it on the Jackson 100, they'll have to rebuild brownstown speedway i'm afraid of because i'm just hoping they don't tear it down before the rest of the races are over the, the after party of of either one of those parking it will be unbelievable and 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 that's and that's what's so cool about it is that you know guys like that you know are going to have opportunities to go do that so so you know caleb um obviously the plan is um hopefully to be at brownstown speedway saturday night if the engine all gets put back together um and you know where else are you planning on racing throughout the rest of the year well this is this is what me and dad call the the crazy season (laughs) um because our cars are are primarily what go to the fairgrounds tracks that have you know smaller ones like shelbyville and rushville so after after brownstown i think our next ones are the ones at rushville and we raced the 28th and 29th there um one of those nights tony is supposed to actually be there i think it's the 28th he's supposed to be there because it's like his foundation night um so he'll be there at that race and then the 30th we go to twin cities you can start to see what we call this crazy season (laughs) um the fourth we go back to rushville i think the fifth we go to shelbyville for the chris man memorial and then I don't I don't remember there's a race in between, but I know that I think the twelfth we go to Columbus and that'll be another one that Tony will be out to run with. So Yeah, and and the fair season really you guys are, are the the show for a lot of fairs. So you guys end up picking up a lot of week weeknight races as well. That that's when it really gets crazy. Right. That's it's it's definitely hard on us. Probably more him than me because he works second shift, so you know, he'll he has to take a whole day off where i can just you know flex a few hours and then go to the track but he'll have to take a whole day off to go to the track um but it's the back-to-back nights i mean i know that there's a lot of guys that do it but for it just being me and him if anything goes wrong that first night you can almost count us out the second because it's too hard for the two of us to completely fix it i know last year we were we were running the B main for some reason because we just had enough cars to run the feature, so I don't know why they put the B main on. But so we had the B main, and we ended up in the fence at Rushville, which I have a whole other story about the fence that I take way too long for this. But um, that the fence at Rushville, and it bent everything on that car. Like the rear axle was bent, the birdcage was bent, the front axle was bent, the wheels were tore up. So, you know. And this was like night one of three nights there, so you know, and we ran a B main that we didn't need. So obviously, I got out of the car mad because that was definitely something we didn't need. And it ended up raining during the feature, so we could have skipped the B main and ran the feature. But that was that was Terry's call, so can't go back and fix it. But uh, but that took us out for those two races at Rushville because of that. 
because uh, we had to put the car back together. So, you know, we kept the days off that we had to then fix the car. Mm-hmm. So then we were ready to go race the next race we could. And I think that's something that, you know, as fans, I think some people know, but a lot don't. And, and that's what's been cool to have drivers on and talk to them is it's not just load up Saturday and, and unload and, and run or whatever night you're running. The amount of hours that are put in between, even when you bring home a clean race car, I mean, even when you don't have any damage, you know, any problems, you bring it home, just getting the car cleaned back up, get the setup back, you know, check everything. To come back the next, it's a full week's worth of work. And, and that's the thing that, you know, I think some people don't understand, you know, especially from the stick and ball sports when they're like, well, these guys don't practice. They just show up and race. Well, right. <laughs> The racing is, you know, it, it, I'll use the analogy I use in a lot of other things. It's kind of like going to a wedding. The wedding's great. You didn't see all the preparation and heartaches <laughs> and arguments and, you know, issues that came up. Everybody just shows up on, on wedding day and's like, oh, free food and free beer. This is yep. great. So and that's, that's an understatement. That's, <laughs> and that's kind of like the race. I mean, everybody shows up on Saturday night and, and it, it, you know, well, why can't these guys run? Well, because they've spent every hour they had, uh, you know, trying to get a car ready, and sometimes it just it doesn't happen. And and, and that's the bad thing, because with the Hondas we used to run, they didn't have starters on them at all. So, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, we don't run a transmission. We don't run a clutch. We don't, I mean, it's direct drive. So in order for him to start man the Honda, we had to go out to the street, which... We learned it's kind of illegal. <laughs> um, go out to the street, push the car till it fired, and then take it back to the garage and then look at it all. You know, that whole session right there is like 10 or 15 minutes worth of time to do. And then I have to be able to keep it running. And if it dies, we got to go do it again until he can sit there and get it fixed and that stuff. And that's one thing with the Kawasaki that makes it a little bit easier that we save a little bit of time. We leave the starters on them. So we just make sure we have them out of gear, and then we can start them in the garage, which that's what I did the Friday night when I ended up finding the oil leak. So, you know, that saves us a lot of time if there's an issue. We can just hit the starter, and it'll, it'll start turn over. But I, I do have to give him a lot of credit, especially during school. He did a lot of the work for me. So, like, I was working two jobs and doing school full-time, and so... He would take Sundays where I was working, you know, I'd work 12 hours and he would wash the car all day and I'd come home and he'd say, hey, can you help me put it on the stands? We'll put it on the stands and then I'll go inside and go to bed to go to work or school the next day. And I'd come home on Monday and we'd do something else for an hour or two and then, you know, that was all I worked on it. He worked on it the rest. And now it's kind of flipped because he's second shift and I only have the one thing now, so... You know, I I spend a lot of time, you know, thinking of things of what to fix, what to what to work on. But obviously, with the engine being down and out right now, there's not a lot we can do. So, well, and I want to say first and foremost, you know, guys, thank you um, for coming down, um, and thank you so much for you know kind of supporting us in the podcast. I wish you the best. Um, I sure hope you get the the motor put back together. Um, you know, if I'm out at a track that you guys are out coming up, I'm going to swing by and we, we do some pit, uh, interviews with some guys. So I'll definitely look you guys up to, uh, get a, 
get an interview. Hopefully, it's Saturday night at Brownstown, and I'll be able to, to look you guys up. But, you know, it's been a lot of fun sitting down and talking to you guys, and I, I love your passion. And, again, um, you know, from a from an open-wheel guy myself, I, I love that. I'll be excited to see you get in a crate late model, so I, I won't I – won't, I won't hate on you. I don't get late model flu like like Matt gets open wheel flu. Um, I just I break out in a little bit of a rash, but that's all. So, uh, but uh, good luck the rest of the season, man. Thanks for coming down, and uh, you know, and I'm gonna wrap up here, and I'm gonna give you one more time to kind of run through your sponsors. But again, thank you to our sponsors, Schaefer Photo and Custom T in the FastLaneProductions.com. Brownstown Speedway and uh, KMO Music with Kenny Montgomery and go ahead and let's let's shout out your sponsors one more time. So it's Purdue Polytechnic Institute and Columbus, uh, Culver's in Columbus, and then the Pat Group or P- Purdue Alumni Advisory Council. And if man, if you like cheese curds, you got to go to Culver's. Man, I'm <laughs> all about those. So, gentlemen, thanks for being here. I wish you all the best and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Thank thanks you. for having us on. For Brian Clausen, uh. I do them like Kyle Larson. Watch me throw them sliders. Party in Victory Lane, and y'all boys ain't invited. Your mama gets excited when I pull up to unload. Even your grandpa talking about, man, that boy too cold. We don't sit on 24s, we don't ride on spinners. I'm posted up on them 15s with platinum dirt defenders. Got kids up in my window like, hey, Mo, are you gonna win it? Yeah, I hope y'all brought some stamps, cause y'all know I'm about to send it on me. Dirt, 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 I'm all about that. Dirt, 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 I'm throwing. Dirt, 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 I missed that. Dirt, 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 gotta get back to I'm it. a dirt trackaholic, call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that. Dirt, 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 I missed that. Dirt, 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 gotta get back to it. I just won hot laps for the third week. Huh? Lil Dave said he thinks we're in the first heat. Yeah. So I go and check the board on my bike, sitting outside pole. Y'all know what it's looking like. Uh-huh. W, W, that's another George W. Hit, hit him with that half a lap, like, dang, what gear are you running, dude? And where'd you 
get that fire suit. Man, I like that stitching. Velocity USA, hey, just tell Brad that I sent you. I'm shining like I'm rubbered up and I'm smiling for the fix. Y'all boys be looking tacky while I stay looking slick. Four new rims, no new friends. They never know what I'm planning. And mama just gave me them eyes like, they maybe you looking handsome. We pray and sing the anthem. Nobody takes a knee. We stop and show respect because we're all proud to be. From the land of the free and the home of the brave, y'all better wake up and get it. We're making America great again. Let's all go out and kick it on there. Dirt, 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 dirt. I'm all about that. Dirt, 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 dirt. I'm throwing dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that. Dirt, 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 dirt. Gotta get back to it. I'm a dirt trackaholic. Call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that. Dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that. Dirt, 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 dirt. Gotta get back to it.